I've successfully made it through another week. A mostly sleepless week, but I made it through. Nights alone, with thoughts running around my head. Dear God, it's been terrifying. Ah well, this is five degrees off normal, and tonight I thought I would dive a little bit deeper into my love of little fears. It's the only RPG that I feel comfortable running now. And before I go into more details, I'm hoping you guys all understand the concept of the Uncanny Valley. But if you don't, here is a rough refresher. This concept first showed up in robotics. Pretty much the more human and cute that a robot looked, the more people would like it. Think Wally or Neptor from Adventure Time. It's like, oh, they're so cute. I love them. Look how adorable they are. But as the robot starts looking more and more human, at a certain point, it stops being, oh, how cute it is. It's an adorable little robot. And it turns to, that's a human and there's something not right. We're humans. We know what a human is supposed to look like. And when something is almost human but not quite, we instinctively have a revulsion toward whatever it is. And then after you hit the low point of the uncanny valley and it starts looking even more and more and more human, we start to like it more because it looks almost indistinguishable from a human. Thing is that they found out that that theory applies not just to robots and how humans, well, how humans perceive them. You can see the uncanny valley effect in touched up photos of children pageant stars. They look lifeless, almost doll-like. So if your brain perceives something as human, but certain aspects of it fall outside the standard human norms, your human norms, it's going to make you feel really odd. And that thing has now fallen into the uncanny valley. Why do you think we feel really off-put looking at a zombie, especially from something like Resident Evil or The Walking Dead? It's because when we look at them, our brain registers them as human, but a human that's not quite right. We look at them and we see a skewed and fractured reflection of ourselves. And in a subtle way, it terrifies us. And I guess this is where my story starts. Due to the copper toxicity, I kind of reside inside the uncanny valley. Folks look at me and they don't see anything wrong. Yeah, my hair's blue, but aside from that, you know, that's a little quirk thing. That's fashion. But when I speak... When I have involuntary arm spasms. Hell, when I even try and describe my own thought processes. As soon as that happens, I no longer fit into people's norms of humanity. I fall into the uncanny valley in the eyes of almost everyone around me. It's kind of lonely in there. But in a way, that also gives me a, a very unique perspective. Especially when it comes to horror. I remember what it was like to not live in the uncanny valley, to have normal psychological, physiological reactions, you know, in life in general. And I know what it's like to live in the uncanny valley. And if you think about it, that's where some of the most terrifying horror can come from. Think about it. I mean, if you see a slasher film, there's a lot of jump scares. But, you know, you finish the movie, you laugh. But, you know, you, you feel safe afterwards. You feel kind of relieved afterwards. But you really don't feel like that after you've played Rule of Rose on the PS2 or Silent Hill 2. The original, not the remake. You still need the fog. 
Hell, if you've ever watched Twin Peaks, almost that entire TV show kind of lived in the Uncanny Valley. The lines were kind of off, but it wasn't due to bad acting. It's just they were a little weird, and it unnerved us, and that feeling stayed with us even after we finished an episode. Come on, you know I'm right. So think about it. Who better to craft a horror story that will stick with you and will really grab your attention? And the great thing is Little Fears offers the opportunity for me to express that. I know I'm going to date myself here. I apologize. But think about this. You're in the game and a whole bunch of kids and you find an old cassette tape. All right. And you go into your dad's basement and you put the cassette tape in your dad's old boombox. And as I am reading off what the what's said on the cassette and my voice changes, there's some strange emphasis on words that shouldn't be there. Pressured speech kind of stumbling over the tongue inadvertent things like that add to the creep factor, add to that feeling of unease. Sometimes myoclonic jerks actually add to the atmosphere. Myoclonic jerks is kind of like a non-seizure-like muscle spasm. They suck, but that's neither here nor there. So imagine you're playing a group of kids and you're going through an old abandoned scouting camp. The moonlight barely pierces the canopy. The night is still There is no even sound of insects or birds. Even the litter under your feet, the crackling sound feels very muffled. Everything is almost frozen still. I finish describing the scene and the players start talking to each other. And I'm paying attention, then all of a sudden I have an involuntary muscle spasm. It draws their attention just for a split second. Kind of adds that feeling of, hey, what just moved? even though I didn't say anything. Pretty much Little Fears is the only game that lends itself to being enhanced by um, me being five degrees off normal from everybody else. I mean, granted, I also have a couple of other talents which really add to me doing a a horror game. I mean, listen to my voice. It's not, well, let's just put it this way. I have been mistaken for a man on the phone from time to time. And oh yeah, that pisses me off, by the way. But my friends who I run the game for, they know my speaking voice. They know my normal cadence. So, all right, let me set the scene. I have six players in the game, and they are investigating an old, abandoned, dilapidated schoolhouse. The team goes around to the back of the schoolhouse, and they find an old black top with big, long weeds going through it. And you can kind of faintly make out the the markings for hopscotch. And they're staring at it and they're noticing that there's markings inside the hopscotch boxes and they're making drawings of it. And while they're doing that, and they're all like paying attention to each other, not as much to me, you know, I I let them talk. I let them discuss the scene amongst themselves. One of the characters says he's bending closer and he's brushing stuff off of the boxes. And as he's crouching on the ground to get a closer look, this happens. Find him. Find him, tie him to a pole and break his fingers to splinters. Drag him to a hole until he wakes up naked, clawing at the ceiling of his grave. I'll admit, I stole that bit from the Decemberists. Sorry, not sorry. But it was really great because next to nobody knows that I can pitch my voice that high. I guess when you live in the Uncanny Valley, 
You kind of learn what your limits are, but you also learn how to make the Uncanny Valley secrets work for you in storytelling. You know, I can't make anything sound epic or heroic or noir, but I can give you a good scare. So thanks, everybody, for joining me in the Uncanny Valley, even just for a little bit. Please exit to the right of the curve. And if anyone is interested in more episodes about Little Fears, please leave a comment or contact me on Facebook. I can go over the different types of horror games that I've run or the different types of characters we've had play in my games. I've even got a few props that help set the atmosphere. Thank you, Prism Shard, for letting me use your awesome music in my podcast. You are 31 Flavors of Awesome. And I'll leave you all with something to ponder tonight. If opportunity only knocks once... Then who's at the door? Pleasant dreams.